Okay, fantastic. So welcome back, everyone. This is the fifth episode where we're reflecting on questions and comments made from the King series that we've been doing on a Sunday morning for the last few months. My name is Nick. I'm hosting the podcast today and I have Fatime, Jeremy, Jamie and John with me to go through some questions and comments. We're going to be looking today at 1 Kings chapter 12, 13 and 14. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. So from chapter 12, the first question someone asks is, how can we see that God is in the bad events at times when the events feel acute and threaten to overwhelm us? Fatima? I think sometimes when we're going through difficult circumstances, it's difficult to probably to um, remember what God says about himself and us. So I think by spending time with him, um, recognizing who God is, not the circumstances, is very important. If we think of Job, when he was going through a difficult situation in his life, he had the wrong crowd around him. So instead of bringing him up, they kind of spoke fear or basically they lied to him saying what God something that wasn't true um, so I think it's important that we, we gather with people that lift us up as well another point I was thinking of Jesus when he was going through difficult circumstances um, at the Garden of Gethsemane he prayed so I think we can pray like Jesus did not necessarily demanding what God should do for us but always uh, as we pray we accept God's will because we know that his will is better than our thoughts or our wills in our circumstances. So I think that spending time with him, praying and socializing with right people, and we can um, see that despite of circumstances, God is with us. Yeah, thank you. Jeremy? Yeah, I completely agree with what Fatima said. And I, I think, um, yeah, just, just to recognize that sometimes it is very difficult to see him in the midst of circumstances. And I can think of seasons of my life where it, I just wasn't able to to grasp him and how he felt about me for myself. And I think, as Fatima said, in, in those moments, sometimes it is the presence of other people who can hold us up, who can remind us of his truth, which is which is very key. Um, <clears throat> but I would also, again, just echo what she said about, you know, thinking about people in, in scripture who came before God in the midst of those moments of anguish and just... I think of some of the Psalms where David lays it all out before God. And, and these aren't, you know, uh, sanitized prayers. Some of them are very raw, very real. Um, I imagine there would have been tears, there would have been snot, there would have been all kinds of stuff going on. I can think of Hannah as well, <clears throat> um, when she came before God in 1 Samuel and she was unable to bear children and was being bullied and excluded for that. And she, she came before uh, she came to the temple and she was in in such a kind of place of anguish that Eli thought that she was drunk and kind of rebuked her for it. Um, but again, just that picture of we can come, he can handle our messiness, he can handle our pain, he can handle our anger. And there's just that invitation that we can lay it all out before him. And he doesn't need our sanitized prayers. Um, and I also just think of a story of uh, my mum when when I was going through a really difficult stage with anxiety and 
and as as the person you know standing with me and supporting me it was very hard for her at that point and um i remember there was one particular point where where she went to a, a church meeting and there was a, a prophet who was there who called her out and described <clears throat> her standing in her house praying and he said some of the prayers you prayed aren't even don't even use words it's kind of it's, it's like almost a sigh or a groan and it feels like those prayers have been hitting a ceiling and falling back down but god wants you to know that every single one of those prayers has penetrated right through to the heart of heaven and i think sometimes even when we can't articulate our feelings into words he hears our groans he hears our sighs and and it can be hard in those moments but there is still a, a value to being present to him in in those places mm. um jeremy's preaching today yeah yeah i love, love it, it. I Great. Think, um, when we turn to christ there is no promise that the sun will always shine and everything in the garden will be lovely there is a promise that i will never leave you nor forsake you and uh, when you pass through the waters i will be with you and I have observed that so often people experience something very deep and special with God in the most adverse of situations and circumstances. And sometimes God even downloads to them in a difficult time something that's going to be life-changing and developmental not only for them but for others in the future. So I think if we want to if we wanted an easy life with the sun always shining, we signed up to the wrong thing. I think for for me in it, realising that my assessment of a situation being good or a situation being bad is fairly faulty because I'm just not equipped to make those assessments. Um, and I would liken it to... I'm, on chapter two of a book and I have no idea how the plot turns will will twist from page to page but there is an invitation to know the author and if I know the author I don't need to know what's going to happen on the next page and I don't need to accurately assess what is good and what is bad and so there's been times in my life where I would be very disappointed if I put my hope in a situation changing or someone making a different choice what God has shown me is he's invited me to trust in him that he is who he says he is and so when he says that he can turn all things uh, to, to good and um, in Romans 8 where it says uh, uh, verse 28 we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose that's I want to come back into knowing him that he is who he says he is and whether I can my assessment of the situation is accurate or not it does not affect the fact that he is who he says he is mm. wow amazing stuff okay second question in Matthew 1 verse 7 it says Solomon was the father of Rehoboam and Rehoboam was part of the line of David that gave rise to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think if you look at the the genealogy in, in Matthew, it's, I mean, there's so much in it. The 
the people that were grafted in to to the journey that God had and even you think well having David in your in your line that's pretty good but yet the way that he's referred to in that section is the adulterer like so the very best that you can put to offer in God's eyes was was terrible and yet Rahab the prostitute is included and so what it what you see in that is God is bigger than our successes or our defeats and he invites and grafts us into his family and that is true for us today we're not in the genealogy but we continue in the line of being in, invited into the family of Christ mm. cool okay number three how can we bring God's word in a secular context and not get sacked or just thought of as mad? Is there a good way of doing this? So I'm assuming that getting sacked is, you know, maybe bringing God's word in a work environment. Yeah, I think it's really important that we are led by the spirit of God. Um, there's time to speak. There's time to keep silent. And if we're led by the spirit of God, we're looking for God given opportunities and that means sometimes we have to step out and the it may look as though what we're stepping onto is pretty thin ice but if that's where God's spoken to us um, and we can't hold back um, because our life is in his hands so our first I think our first and foremost thing is Lord what would you have me to do here and obviously we want wisdom and we want to be sensitive but most of all having wisdom and being sensitive to God himself and I think if if we want if we're taking on the role of representing Jesus there's no one that's done a better representation of Jesus than Jesus mm. and they crucified him so I think it's part of what we're signing up to is take up your cross and follow me unless a seed falls to, to the ground and dies it won't bear fruit I think there is a willingness that just because people think that I'm mad or I get fired does not mean that I didn't do what God had given me to do so I want to start from the basis of I'll do whatever he gives me to do to the point of my giving up my life but from that I want to be led by the spirit of how to raise something how to bring it in a way that is best received and heard by others and it might not be a megaphone shouting into the ear of my work colleague to repent from his life of sin might be but it's not happened yet in that way mm. Fatima? Um, I think particularly in the west I live now here people are so afraid of being fired doing the wrong thing but being politically correct politically correct that they forget what is the main priority and we need to remember that when, fe when faith is not present, then fear takes over. And uh, so like John said earlier, by spending time with God and being led by the Spirit, we can have that faith. And we know that without faith it's impossible to please God. So if, and we know that God asks us, demands us to share the good news with others, to bring God's word wherever we go. So if we are focused on what if I get fired and then forget to do what God has called us to do, automatically like indirectly we are disobeying him and disobedience is sin so if we see it in this way then I think we can choose our priorities differently 
Another part is we need to remember that just because you're in the workplace and you maybe get fired if you do the right thing, sometimes that happens. But then again, we need to remember where does our help come from to pay the rent, to because um, sometimes rent is very important here, not to lose the house. We need to remember where does our help come from. And if we believe that the help comes from the Lord, comes from Jesus, then we shouldn't be afraid of being fired because God can find us another job or provide in another way. But still, we need to speak uh, the truth and we need to share the gospel. I know I'm adding a little bit, but I'll just share a brief example. I work with an organization that is not believer. They're not believers, they're not Christians. And recently, we, beginning of November, they asked us to do an article, why did we choose to become an advocate? Because it was Advocacy Week. And uh, of course, when I did my article, I uh, quoted the Bible and I mentioned the church because that's part of me. And I thought if they select my article, that's great. If not, that's fine. I'm going to be the, I'm going to share what's true to me. And funny enough, that is national wide organization. They picked my article and they shared not only internally, but also externally wow. in social media and also now is in the website. So now not always may this happen, but I think by doing the right thing, God honors us and he really favors us because it is his heart to use us. Yeah. Jeremy? Um, the thing that, that jumped out to me when thinking about this question was um, when Paul says always give a reason for the hope that you have, um, meaning always be prepared to to give account for uh, for what Jesus has done for us and the hope that we have. And I think the challenge that I I feel when I hear that is, is Jesus really my hope? Because <laughs> I think when I, when I think of times that I have talked about him in a work context or, you know, in the context of my my everyday life, the times when it's, it's flowed most naturally is when he's the hope that I'm carrying. The times when it's felt forced and almost is when I'm kind of feeling like I'm doing it because that's the thing that I'm meant to be meant to be doing um and I think the question that I just want to ask myself is he really my hope or am I secretly hoping in other stuff am I secretly hoping hoping in financial security to get me through or am I secretly clinging clinging on for the Christmas holidays is that is that really where my hope is if it's in Jesus in my experience those opportunities find themselves and it's often in the context of relationship or talking to people about life struggles and it just overflows because it's that's the hope that I have um so that's the kind of challenge that I feel for myself is is he really my hope mm. um and if he is am I ready to to talk about him yeah. I was uh, just thinking listening particularly to what Fatima was saying about the work situation of back when I was stockbroking uh, there was a particular um guy a similar level to me but he would like to ask a question across an open office with lots of people there John what does a Christian think about this and it gave me a great opportunity because he's only asking the question and I'm only answering the question so I could answer the question uh, and lots of people have the opportunity to hear you couldn't really say anything against me because I was just answering the question. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, final question for chapter 12. How big a problem is it if I give a friend some advice with good intention rather than seeking and hearing from God for them? It's a big problem. 
um, because if the person is looking for you to to help them hear God the great danger is that you can um, you can somehow complicate things uh, so I think it always is right that we if we're seeking to serve and to serve the purposes of God that we're we're looking to to bring what God is saying to that situation or make it very clear I don't know what God is saying this is what I think um, I think it's it's really important to make clarity between those two things okay there's been some times where I've been very pleased with the advice that I've given or the opinion that I've got I thought yeah I'd write a guidebook out of this but when I came away from some of those conversations I thought did that lead to a transformation for the individual and I realized I don't think it did um, I think I gave them a script to follow but I didn't introduce them to the Holy Spirit who is the guide and it's not given birth to life in them and that forced me to think I want to be able to bring the word of God because the word of God is living and active and that is the seed that produces much fruit inside people and so rather than just finding a particular solution on particular challenges I want to help people catch a sight of who he is because that's that will lead to the the lasting change and there's been times where I've almost had a pre-packaged answer to questions already on the shelf that I can reach up and grab and I did this once when a, a friend of mine had asked do you have to like someone if you've decided to love them and I just yeah here's my opinion and I just started off into it and then another friend that was with us said why do you ask that question and then they said well I, I think I've got to love my dad but I don't like him and it completely changed the conversation and I think the other guy had the word of God to ask that question and I was just spouting off my my opinion and they didn't my opinion would not have led to to a heart change I I really love that example because I think it's a reminder that having the word of God isn't always a thus says the Lord proclamation like you shall go and do this um, sometimes it can be a question it can be a suggestion it can be uh, I think as well I think uh, in the context of Lydia's talk she she mentioned Neil's example of when he brought something to some leaders that he was processing and, and the response was I don't think God cares you know and again it, it's not like thus saith the Lord it, it's it's a reflection but what it did was it it led Neil back into that place of hearing God for himself. Mm. Um, and I think there's something about just being willing to walk and stand with people without having to have a powerful word from God in every moment, but just that ear open to what he might be saying, when to be quiet, when to ask a question, um, which I think, yeah, is quite, quite key. Yeah. Okay. It's really, really good contributions. Thanks, guys. All right, let's move on to chapter 13. Uh, first question, why did God continue to tolerate Jeroboam's sin but caused the lion to kill the man of God who had been obedient and then defied God once? Fatima? 
I think God didn't tolerate sin and God never tolerates sin. I think in this case, if we read it carefully, we see that God had, um, can't find the right word. Um, he uh, delayed, if I can say, I can't, I can't find the right word in English, but anyway, uh, God uh, allowed this to be the slow process because he was given a chance to Jeroboam to repent. And we see this in the, in the scriptures where he sends the young prophet to go and warn him. So he was warning him, given a chance to repent and turn back to God. So God didn't tolerate sin, just so that we make that clear. Um, in terms of why the young prophet was killed, we know that the man of God was not, oh, I mean, that's what I think according to the scriptures, the man of God was not only an ordinary man, he was God's prophet, he was chosen for that task, and he was given directly instruction from God to do the job, and he failed to do so, so, so he disobeyed God either knowingly or unknowingly, I, I don't know, but it seems according to the scripture that he disobeyed God and God took that very seriously. Mm -hmm. And we know that again, even nowadays, disobedience is sin and uh, God takes seriously those issues. So, yeah. Okay, thank you, Fatima. Understanding why God does something and why he doesn't is beyond me. Um, Although I do respect what uh, Fatima was just saying, I think that uh, gives some clarity, but we just are not equipped to understand. Um, so the, the why, we've just got a little finite mind. Mm. We haven't got the infinite mind of God. What we are equipped to do is to trust him. And as we choose to trust him, um, we walk in what he's enabled us to do. But mm. why? No. Beats me. I think when you you look at this the story and you think, well, what Jeroboam did was worse than what the the man of God did. Therefore it was too harsh what God did to the man of God. I think it those kind of comparisons and we all do it all the time, well I'm not as bad as that person. Therefore, I should have a better lot in life or a be better deal. We're doing the wrong comparison. The comparison should be, how do I measure up against the perfection of who God is? I don't measure up. So maybe I've not uh, done as bad as someone else, but does that make me worthy of his perfection? No, because all have fallen short of the glory of God. And to think... I agree with, with Fatima that God doesn't tolerate. And if we ever think that God is okay with sin, well, we've got to look at a man hanging on a cross that died because of God's disdain for sin, that Jesus swallowed it on my behalf, on your behalf, on for all of us. So God takes it very seriously. And that is his invitation for us where we fall short of his glory to actually be invited back into it because of what Jesus has done. Mm. Okay, question leading on from that. Could there be similar consequences of disobedience for us today? As in walking down the road being killed by a lion? Potentially. I mean, good mate's pretty rough place. <laughs> Come with a sensible answer. I know, I may be a bit more harsher. <laughs> so I think we know that disobedience is sin. So if we disobey even today, disobedience, when you sin, there are consequences to our actions. 
So it may not be killed by the lion, or it may not be physical death, but we can die spiritually. But the good news is that there is chance because Jesus came for our sins, and we, if we repent and we turn to God, he uses us, he forgives and forgets. Personally, <laughs> I do believe that um, if we disobey God, there are consequences to that, even today. Question number three for chapter 13. What do you think was significant about eating bread and drinking water so that God forbade the man of God from doing it with Jeroboam? Jeremy? Just a couple of thoughts. Um, I think throughout, I, I mean, ultimately, we don't know. It doesn't say in the passage, So, but we can sort of speculate. I think ultimately it was part of God's command to him and, and therefore he had to obey it. Um, I think we do see throughout the whole of Scripture, Old and New Testament, eating and drinking is almost a way of, of honouring and giving honour to people, and it was part of the culture of that time. Whether you welcome someone into your home or you honour them by coming to your home, you see that with Jesus, which is why he it was so scandalous that he <clears throat> ate with Zacchaeus because everyone was like, how is he going into the home of a sinner? Do you realise what this guy has done? But it was like he was honouring Zacchaeus by going into his home. Um, so I think there's something about eating and drinking with people in scripture and in, in that culture that almost signified a, a sense of approval, respect and honour. And, and and it could have been that, that God deemed, deemed that was inappropriate for the, the man of God at the time and, and contrary to the, the sort of message that he was bringing. I think there's also a sense in which people use... Um, eating and drinking and, and whining and dining to influence and manipulate people um, to bring people on side um, and I think reading between the lines of the interaction with Jeroboam you can see almost that desire to manipulate he's like come back and, and eat, eat with me and I'll give you a reward and it's almost this sense of okay right there's no getting away from it this man of God is a real prophet you know the altar split apart the word is confirmed but if I could just influence him and, and manipulate him and get him to validate me by coming into my my house, you know, that that might go well with me. So it's almost that manipulation. Um, you see it with in his worst moment, David, when he he tries to um, uh, he he sleeps with Uriah's wife and tries to get Uriah drunk um, to kind of resolve this issue. And, and it's mm. almost that manipulations through eating and drinking with someone so again maybe there's a sense of a vulnerability that comes when you eat and drink with someone which we saw later in the story when he went into the the house of the old prophet but ultimately we we don't know um but just a couple of thoughts mm. okay cool uh, final question for chapter 13 why did the man of god listen to the older prophet was he deferring out of respect or because he liked what the man was saying? Then a comment, either result in missing God. Again, it, it doesn't uh, say very clearly in the scripture why. Um, I mean, a speculation could be there was something in that man of God that refused the political temptation from Jeroboam, but succumbed to what seemed like a a spiritual temptation. I think we need to be careful that we can get quite self-righteous on saying, well, we won't mix with those people or won't put ourselves in that situation. 
but were actually unguarded in another area. I think in the whole story, when I've looked at this, because it really upset me the first time I'd read this story, because I thought the man of God, he, he, he was trusting um, another, another man of God. Um, when I saw in Acts 17, verse 11... Um, Luke is talking about the the Berean Jews, and he said they were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. And so that idea of, I believe it and receive it, but I want it for myself. I want to own this for myself rather than just rely on, on what you have witnessed, I want to become a witness. And you, you see it with uh, the Samaritans. First we came out to you, Jesus, because the woman told us. But now we've seen for ourselves. And that fits very much with what God is saying to us um, as a church of each will know him from the least to the greatest. And I think if ever we are satisfied in someone else's faith, in someone else's witness, without wanting what God has made available that we might each know us. I think we're missing something because it says in Philippians 2.12 that you must work, continue to work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's, that's an invite to say God wants to be known by you, want to communicate with you. And I think in the case of that man of God, he didn't take that opportunity to know and hear for himself. God doesn't just suddenly flip the switch on what he's talking to you about without letting you know. Mm. Yeah, cool. Okay, uh, moving on to chapter 14 and the final question for today's episode. How much was the division of Israel and Judah part of God's plan and or the fulfillment of prophecy? to David, Solomon, Jeroboam. So how much was the division of Israel and Judah part of God's plan and or the fulfillment of prophecy? Uh, yes, it was both, both and. Um, I think this is the incredibly complicated way that God works, that he weaves us and our free will into his purposes and plans where we have full control over our decisions and yet God is still in charge at all times. And the best example that I found in modern day reference would be Bruce Almighty. There's at one point at the beginning of the movie where he meets God as a janitor in a apartment, in a, in a, building and the janitor asks him can you help me clean this floor and he goes well I'm I'm free on the seventh at seven and so he kind of disregarded it he was just fobbing him off goes through the movie where Bruce is given all this power of power of God and he causes such disaster out of his own choices he causes disaster to the point where he cries out to God God I need you and he finds himself back in back in that building with the janitor and and God saying to him, ah, you're right on time. And he looks at his watch, the seven, it's seven on the seventh. So whose choice was it? Was it God's choice to make him keep his a, a date? Or was it Bruce's free will that led him there? Yeah, 
I think that's the way that God works with us. All right, wicked. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, thanks very much, guys. And we'll be back with another episode soon.